Yeah, that is uh, a question that has been asked and sung. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and with Saturday Michelle Night Live has had fun with. Oh, man. Oh, classic. Absolutely. Uh, so this is a series this month of February as we talk love. What is love? Different stages of love. Uh, by the way, we are really excited that at the end of this month, it'll be an opportunity uh, for people in the Houston area to come be a part of the podcast live. We're going to do this once again yes. uh, at a second cup in Houston. We'll get you more info on that a little bit later. But we're going to get to dating. We're going to get to singleness. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to loving your neighbor. Today we start with marriage. I would go out on a limb and say that the most songs on the planet, most songs that have lyrics to them, mm-hmm. have been written in some form in the name of love. Yes. I would say that is the love main songs. motivator, right? And whether it's a broken heart or a full heart or whatever it is. And uh, I love that we have that one. What is love? In John, 1 John 4, uh, verses 7 and 8, it explores how God is love. And that makes me super happy because when I think if we can connect universally in, in, in the knowledge of, hey, we all need it. Mm-hmm. We all need love. We realize, oh, when John came around to write his particular letter there, he just went ahead and said it. Well, we all need love. God is love. Yeah, that's true. And so if you are getting anything less than satisfaction with love, then perhaps God is not fully a part of what's taking place there. Mm, if right. I could be so bold. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And and um, obviously what stands to be talked about with any of these marriage, single dating, just loving our neighbor um, in the what is love question, you know, to start off, it's not just a feeling. Right. Right. And so there's so many facets that we'll be able to cover yes. about what it truly is. And then if we're not, uh, feeling it, mm-hmm. but we felt um, puppy love, for example, sure. and then all of a sudden, that's how you start to see people say, "Well, we fall out of love." Well, did you fall out of love, or did you fall out of feelings? It's interesting that I, okay, I was watching this movie I can't remotely recommend on Netflix the other day, and it's like otherworldly because all the humans have left the planet; and they're coming back to repopulate the earth, and when they get there, they realize there are. <gasps> Some survived. Some people survived. Oh, okay. But they've got this new tongue that they're, this language that they're using. And they have like 16 different words for the word water. Hmm. And it's because there is, you know, water you can drink. Then there's water that they need to use for whatever. Okay. So so they have all these. I think that we use the word love and it all, it encompasses all these different things. And it's like, do we really know what we're talking about? I love barbecue. (laughs) That is one of the most powerful ones. (laughs) I would think. Uh, okay. No, but no, you're exactly right. We use love so many different ways. And 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 yet, and I think it is complex in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're making it uh, too complex. It is a complex thing. But I think when we misuse it, we, I, well, I would just go back to the feelings part of it. Mm. We use it for things that um, aren't that important. Yeah. I'll throw barbecue on there too, I guess. Oh, you, I mean, it's important food, but you, yeah. well, I maybe the question we ask: Can I survive without it? Mm. And then, if I can survive without it, it's not the required love that I need to to keep moving one st- foot in yeah, front of the other. I think that's an interesting question, and I think, I mean, that's where God makes the mark. Is that my grace is sufficient for you? I am sufficient for you. Um, and it's defined, uh, I heard it said that John 3.16, that is the definitive verse in, in what agape love, the Greek word for mm-hmm. that love that is 
serving. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He saw us. He's, this is the creation he made in his own image. He sent his son to die for us so that we could continue to live with him. Mm-hmm. This is not self-serving per se. I mean, it, it maybe if you want to define it, and we could go into that whole philosophical argument about, is there any true sacrifice that isn't self-serving? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, mm-hmm. But it, it, he loved us so much that he didn't want to live eternity without us. Um, and in serving us, he died so that that's a choice we could make. We could choose him. And so that really defines the necessary love that we need to move on. Because and we'll get into this next podcast. Uh, Paul even talks about living single. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be the best life for you. That, that is an interesting. Um, I don't know if I say misconception. Well, no, I think I might use the word misconception. What's that? In America, in American Christianity, and we're about to talk about marriage and yeah. we applaud it. I mean, obviously. absolutely. But it's not the be all end all because in American Christianity, we think, well, if you're if you're a Christian and uh, you're then you meet the right person and then you you get married and you have kids. That's what you do. Yeah. And that's what God calls us to. Yeah. And they're often even the verse, I think, taken out of context in, in some ways, be fruitful and multiply, you know, sure. things like that. Sure. Uh, but you see Paul and Jesus. Mm-hmm dare I say, even promote living single. Now, <laughs> let's get to that next week because there's a lot more we could say on that. I know, and sometimes it's confusing after you've just met the love of your life mm-hmm. and you propose and you have all these expectations and then you read through that one particular part from Paul and you're like, oh no. Oh, maybe oh, no. I should. Uh, yeah, but there, it gets interesting on, on um, <laughs> I just want to say that these are, these are equal in many, many ways in regards to just the body of Christ. Yeah. And and what I do hate, and we can, again, talk about more about this next week, but uh, is that you're, you're worthwhile if you're married uh-huh. and you are either not there yet or you're not worthwhile if you're not married. And I don't like that. And and I think that unintentionally the, the church and church leaders treat people that way. Mm. So we chat more about that next week. But again, marriage equals good. Let's make sure to say that as well. So let's talk about marriage. Well, I think you have to remember the first two greatest commandments. First two greatest commandments. That's how Jesus did not say it. Mm. But the the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as you love yourself. These are the two greatest commandments and all the other laws, which of there are, I think, 613 quote unquote, new, uh, Old Testament laws. You can hang all of these on this, these two things. These are big ones. So I think you have to incorporate anytime you talk about what real love looks like, you have to make sure that those things are in the back of your mind. This is not what you get out of it, per se. Real love, biblical, I am going to apply what God wants me to know about him in my relationships. This is what this has to look like. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe that God wants you to have pleasure and receiving love from others and to be encouraged by, quote, brotherly love. There are so many different terms for love in the Greek, which uh, most of the New Testament was written in Greek. But I think that the biggest one would probably be, you've heard it referenced even here a few moments ago, agape is the one that gets big thumbs up because 
even if you have the romantic love in there and you've got the brotherly love in there, people are going to fail you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so maybe you've got expectations now. And if you've put all your eggs in that basket, you've been failed. And maybe you're like, all right, I'm out. Love did me wrong. Done. Sure. And that's like, well, God's like, that's not the intention of what love really is all about anyway. That's the extra. That's the icing mm. on the cake. So you <laughs> you read about the ceremony of marriage over the centuries. It is interesting because we have our own ideas about, even in the church, what marriage is supposed to look like. And I'm not going to go into the history of that here because, honestly, I don't even know the history of all of that. But I do know that in the very beginning— the Old Testament, the New Testament, there was a man and there was a woman in the garden and they were together and they're a couple and that's a marriage deal. And was there a minister there that day? Well, well, God himself. No, no, there was no ceremony. They were together and they were. No. And in fact, and uh, if your children are listening, I'll just warn you, there's some things that I'm going to talk about just bluntly. If a man and a woman slept together, they were married. Hmm. I mean, that's the way it was yeah. in, in the Old Testament. And he went into the tent and he knew her. Now, things changed a little bit along the way, like maybe animals are presented to the couple sure. after a while. And things change over time. Was it frowned upon because nobody signed the marriage license because the state didn't approve or whatever? Like, no, this is the way that it evolved over the years. And now it is what it is today. And we have shows about bridezillas, which are fun to watch. <laughs> but. I think the stories that I'm covering right now in the Old Testament, starting in the book of Genesis, are very telling about how much we didn't get it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how much we didn't understand what love really could look like. And there were some who I think desperately wanted to get it right. Abraham talked a little bit about him in podcasts past Abraham is the, quote, father of many nations. He's the guy that God said, I'm going to bless you and out of you. All these nations are going to come and be blessed, too. And he goes on to have a kid with his wife. Well, before that happened, his wife has this grand idea because she has a grand idea. I'm going to say it again. She had a grand idea, not God, to have him sleep with her handmaid. Mm -hmm. So we can speed up this process here. Now man is in the play, in the mix here, and it it goes haywire from that point, Carter. Uh, Ishmael is born from this sleeping with a servant girl, and now Ishmael is the one who's firstborn. He gets dibs on all the stuff that he should be getting from his dad. That's the way it's done. But now Sarah does eventually become pregnant, Abraham's wife, not the maidservant. This is Abraham's wife now. And according to God's promise, Isaac, their son, is supposed to be the one to receive the blessing. Right. Man's plans get in the way a lot with marriage. And if we can learn something right from the get-go, because we see this cyclical pattern all throughout Abraham's descendants, it's sad. Instead of checking in with God and walking along in his promises and what he says is, this is what I want for you, we put our own plans, our own desires in there, and things get just messy. And Isaac and Rebecca, they get married and they have their issues because clearly they don't see eye to eye on which kid is the best kid. And by the way, there shouldn't be a best kid. <laughs> there shouldn't be, well, this son is the best. No, yeah, shouldn't be a thing. There clearly was some self 
serving attachments in there. I wouldn't call it love if you treasure one person over another. Mm. I would call it broken is what I call it. And then Jacob, who gets the first dibs on the firstborn stuff, he has his eyes set on Rachel. And Rachel's hot. And he sees her one day. He's like, I want to marry that girl. And her dad, Laban, says, okay, we can we can make that happen. And he said, you work for me for seven years. Actually, Jacob's idea. I'll work for you for seven years mm-hmm. if I can mm-hmm. marry Rachel because she's hot. And Laban says, that's great. And I'm not reading. Now, maybe it's, maybe it's in there. And when Moses was writing the first five books of the Old Testament, he didn't give us all the stories because it's a lot of stuff you've got to cover. Yeah. He's not going to write all of the romantic. And then they went out in the field and they're <laughs> hanging out with the sheep. And Jacob did the cutest thing. And then Rachel, you're not getting any of that. It's just funny. We go from I saw her to I want her to we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. There's no dating here at all. And it ends up, if you know the story, going very poorly for Jacob because he marries Rachel. And there's somewhat of a ceremony, you assume, because if you're that completely ignorant in the moment of the wedding night to not know that you were sleeping, not with Rachel, but her sister, Leah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe some partying was taking place with some drink. I don't know. He's in the tent, though. Laban tricks Jacob. Rachel's dad tricks Jacob and brings his firstborn daughter, Leah, in to where Jacob is. And Jacob doesn't know it's not Rachel. Well, wakes up in the morning. Guess what? Hey, that's not Rachel mm-hmm. <laughs> laying next to me. And it's Leah. Can I just put this in here too? If I'm Leah, this is what's very sad is that we have already made women feel like property. Mm. But they are comfortable, it seems, or it's not written that they're not in that role because over the centuries, that's, the role they've been assigned, not by God, but by man. Once again, we are back into man's plans in the mix of what God wants, right? Mm. There, you have to marry my oldest daughter because that's the way. She has to get married first, but then I'll let you marry Rachel. You talk about mess. Yeah. If you have siblings, same-sex siblings, can you imagine how that would feel? He didn't love Leah. She wasn't as pretty or whatever. Rachel had a better figure. It says that in scripture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So clearly this was deep love for Jacob. She had a better figure. That's why he chose Rachel, right? And and the story goes that he ends up working another seven years, if I'm not mistaken, right? To then marry Rachel as well. He said, you know, just please, you have to stay married to Leah, but stay married to Rachel. What's interesting is that you do see and please don't miss these when you read through scripture, because I do. I did for years. I'd miss these little implications, and they're so important. God saw Leah, and He blessed her with a son first. Actually, hmm. in fact, she had several sons before Rachel. Well, of course, that didn't make Rachel happier. Now they're in a competition, right? And it gets to the place where they're giving each other servants to Jacob so that he can sleep with, oh, okay, this is my child, even though it's her child. I mean, it's just a big mess. Right. A big matzo ball. There's four women now in Jacob's life. If you are a husband, can you imagine Valentine's Day Mm. with four women? I'd be broke. (laughs) I'd be broke. I don't even have money for Christmas presents. (sighs) Yeah. 
the situation is not good. Well, and I think the theme here is commitment is setting is is going with what God set up one man, one woman. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know everything and the ceremonies. And then, you know, you get to a a place where uh, it was like a, uh, you know, even different, even more than what we do today. It was uh, the man would go prepare a home for a year before uh, the woman would, you know, move in and they'd be married. And uh, nowadays it is so uh, the opposite of that, of, um, will, I mean, even just watching House Hunters, quite frankly. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I want to give the disclaimer. Um, we can't hold an unbelieving world to a believing standard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, just make sure to throw that. But but it's so just casual compared to what it was that, um, yeah, we're going to buy this house and we're planning our wedding and, and you know, and and no shame if that's been anybody that's that's listening. But I think just the the idea that the the commitment should be there mm-hmm. and the commitment isn't there without saying we're married because I think it's just very easy to yeah. move in together and then move out yeah. or to, you know, whatever. I, I even heard a, a pastor the other day share if it's, it was, yeah, it was our pastor the other day share um, wherever you're at right now. And he was, he was talking about sexual sin, mm-hmm. wherever you're at right now, what can you do to, to stop? You know, if you're living together, can you go to the courthouse real quick mm-hmm. it, and then and then and then do a big wedding later? There's nothing wrong with that. But just, you know, get get married, have the commitment. If you're living together and you don't know what to do, perhaps it's stop being intimate together. Mm. Can you stop that? Now, that's the encouragement of of where we're at today. Right. Like there's nothing the Bible says you can't live together. But what kind of temptation does that bring if you are living together before marriage and you're sleeping in the same bed? I mean, it's just not an intelligent choice. I think when you make a vow to God and you say, I want to commit my life to you, Lord, I I believe that Jesus, you are the son of God, that you died for me, that you rose for me, and I want to live with you. Mm -hmm. That's all in. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's not flirting with the idea. That's not almost in. Yeah, that's true. That's a full commitment. And um, Jesus calls the church his bride. Yeah. And that is a perfect representation of how he would like marriage to look like for man and woman. At the beginning, he created a man. It's not good for this guy to be alone. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I'm going to create woman, which means from man, taken from man. It does not mean that he is, oh, better because he was first. He created a team, yeah. a perfect team. And it, it, it's something that he wanted to keep replicating, I'm sure, and would love to continue to replicate in our marriages, a good team, a support system. And when we throw our man-made ideas into the mix, it gets broken because it's the only half-baked idea. Yeah. We're made in his image, but unless unless we are fully God and fully perfect and we're not assigning his ideas to the project or task at hand, mm-hmm. we are going to get broken results. I, I think uh, I like what you said about our, you know, putting our own ideas in there. And uh, one thing I've heard that I, I really like, I mean, because I, I, I just think it's true. I think, I think it's just what scripture teaches. And then, you know, what what um, is just obvious is there's a lot of talk about, well, are men in charge? What does all that look like? Head of the household type of stuff. Sure, sure. And it's it's different roles, but equal roles. Yes. And that's okay. And and you just take, you know, if I think there might be some people that go, oh, what does that mean? Well, 
I think one that's very obvious, men don't have kids. Mm. Not, we don't birth kids. Right, right. God chose that to be a role for women and it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that and that's okay. Yeah. And where I think we start to insert, especially me just growing up in conservative country. Yeah. When I hear head of the household, um, I grew up around a lot, of, a lot of godly men too. So fortunately for me, I never took out of the household to mean you demand it and that's that. And she's going to do it. Mm. But more of you better step up, man. You better do this and you better do this and you better do this. And a lot of it's true. But then even I see it kind of bleeding over to you better always drive. If you're on a road trip, <laughs> she don't drive at all. Uh, you better do the finances. Yeah. Even though she's more mathematically gifted, <laughs> you better do the. You better weight lift. You better grill. You better, you know, and and I love grilling, but there there it can go to this we we're inserting culture uh-huh. where like for example we we think it's biblical. We think it's biblical even though you have to grill. Like you have to <laughs> if you're a man you have to like action movies and football <laughs> instead of enjoy a pedicure. Yeah. Like and that's just culture, right? But we bled that over into into marriage and 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 well other areas too. And so, like, I heard a pastor, it was just so refreshing. Like, he's like, my wife does the budget Mm -hmm. because she's better at it. And I think a lot of men can sometimes look at that and go, oh, well, do you know what my wife and I started doing in that moment? What's that? Her doing the budget. (laughs) And she already, like, kind of was, but I, I just fully released that of, like, you have worked in an office many times. You use Excel. You know all the shortcuts. Yeah. You set up the budget. And now we have the conversation, a co-conversation of like, I think that this is where we need to spend our money here or we need to save more here or whatever. Like we have that conversation. But when it comes to like the literal things, I mean, driving on a road trip, like it's crazy the things that we've written into and made our man plans, man plans. as you've said, you said earlier, yeah. rather than just what is the Bible saying is necessary for marriage and then just enjoying the freedom around it. And and how, uh, I want to make sure this is very clear. When I say man plans, that is not a dig on men. That is just me saying humankind. No, humankind, mankind. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. When we put humankind's plans in there, yeah. uh, it's, it's really important. I think it was, um, oh... Michael Smalley, Dr. Michael Smalley. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he was sharing a very important part, passage of Ephesians, I believe, okay. in pointing out that very big statement to men saying, hey, husbands, love your wives. Mm-hmm. And then he po- pointed out that next part for me, and it was so important for me to revisit as Christ loved the church. Mm. What did Jesus do for the church? He served the church. Yeah. He died for the church. I mean, it's it's important that Hus- and wives, your duty is to love your husband well. You know, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. It's not because, because he's earned it. It's because it, my heavenly father told me to do it. Yeah. And even when he's not doing it well back, mm-hmm. <laughs> do it as under the Lord is what my charge is. That's my, my commanding orders. And I've seen lots of women do that and love their husbands and men, likewise with women. Yeah. Um, even when their husbands or wives weren't loving them well. I know that the church hasn't always loved Jesus well. Sure. So yeah. uh, it's interesting, though. We have our marching orders. We're to love each other well. How do we do that? It's kind of what this podcast is about. Um, and I really do think it comes down to not what can you what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? I have, there's two examples that come to mind. Now, this is just, um, he was just kind of spitballing here. 
Uh, but KB is, I feel like I've referenced him a couple times lately. KB is a Christian rapper. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget seeing him in concert. And he did a song about forgiveness. And he said, and it was, you know, it was a very powerful part. Kind of they, they played the instrumental for a while. And he just said, he started naming examples of forgiveness. And he, he talked about, you know, black and white. You know, he talked about uh, Christian and non-Christian. And then he talked about marriage and he said, imagine what, what, what a godly response could be. Mm. He said, what a godly response could be is she comes home and says to her husband, I cheated on you or vice versa. Mm. What a, what a godly response could be is so what we're getting through this Mm. now. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Well, of course. (laughs) And if you really want to explore, let's get into that situation. There's grounds for divorce. Sure. And, and that is a, you know, if you're listening and it, well, my husband cheated on me or whatever, and multiple times there's grounds for divorce. That is a, a, God says that is, that is fine to be divorced because if somebody did that, but what KB is saying is what you could do is maybe say, so I don't know if you'd say it like that, but say, we're going to stick together and work Mm -hmm. this out. We're going to go to counseling. We're going to, now if it happens again, I mean, again, there's a whole complexity of issues. But just the fact of, of that servant attitude mm-hmm. and saying in the midst of, and it reminds me of the other example, um, we got an email from a guy that said, my, and we talked about this a little bit last week, my wife is, was hiding her drinking yeah. again. Yeah. It sounded like she'd done it before. I don't, I'm not going to make a, because I don't know off the top of my head what the, the right. rules of the Bible say about, if, you know, substance abuse and divorce and all that. But what he said is, I was planning to divorce her. Okay. Now. And he heard that verse that we mentioned, Jude one twenty two, mm-hmm. show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Yes. And he said, I'm going to stick it out. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we got it. I got, I got to keep in his word. Those things that I may have overlooked in reading Jude before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord, help those verses to pop out at us when we need to hear them most. Help us to follow that incredible example that you led by example, by the way, Jesus. You did this for us. While we were still sinners, you died for us on the cross. And he told his disciples, 70 times 7, we forgive people. Mm-hmm. That means forever. <laughs> you just keep can, forgiving. Can I say something? Because th- this is actually very interesting. Now, okay. this is, uh, I, I honestly, this caught my eye in regards to not marriage, but that that view about, and we'll talk about this more, I think, with loving your neighbor mm-hmm. and and in our culture today, love is just nice. And when you go along <laughs> with what I think, love's, <laughs> love's, love's not telling me something I don't want to hear. You, you mean that's called enabling. <laughs> you go along with that, what But I according think. to the world, no, it's not. <laughs> this, is, this is what he says before 70 times seven. Okay. If another believer since this is Luke 17, verse three, starting verse three. If another believer sins, this is, by the way, I want to say this. This is in red. Okay, I'm reading in red. This, this is Jesus' This words. is the words of Jesus. Yes. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then, if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Okay. So when we get in this state where People are saying, no, I just choose to do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's, I mean, let's just take a, at least a a less controversial example. Okay. A kleptomaniac. Yeah. I, I am so sorry. I stole again. I forgive you. Yeah. 
I'm so sorry I stole again, and I know it's only two hours from the last time we had the conversation. Right, right. I forgive you. It's different than, you know, and I called you out and say, you stole again, didn't you? Right. And you say, I'm just going to steal because it's easier and I don't feel bad about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now it's a different situation. Yeah, yeah. So when he says rebuke too, that's a very harsh sounding word. Mm -hmm, <laughs> when sure. you read that in scripture, it's calling people out. Yeah. So I'm, we're not saying it's okay when people say, oh, I just forgive you, it's fine. No, no, no. Say, state your peace. This was very hurtful. This, this, this is this is the message, uh, just for a more maybe more modern. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. Mm -hmm. If he responds, forgive him. So how many times do we do this, Lord? 70 times seven. Numbers are very symbolic in scripture. Whenever you see that, it's not literally 404. <laughs> okay, I've done it today. Uh. This will be the 449th <laughs> time that I've done this. Right, right. Wait, did I do that correctly? Is that right? Seven, 70, 70 times seven. It's 490. I'm not a mathematician. Speaking of the woman doing the math and the finances, it's my husband in our household. By 490. Way. It's 490. You shouldn't have said anything. I should, no. no, I said oh, 449. You, oh, you did. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the, the point being, this is an endless supply of grace. Because it's clearly endless for me. And the Holy Spirit may come back to me over and over again on a topic. And there's generally <laughs> just a sincere, massive, I am sorry, I messed up, Lord. Mm. And he checks that sincerity in me. And then there's some other stuff that it's like, maybe I'm less repentant on. Mm. And he'll keep checking in with me on that. Yeah. And it might take maybe somebody outside my own bubble to poke it and say, hey, wake up and smell the coffee on yeah. that. Yeah. But there's still an endless supply of grace for me with my heavenly father. So I, when we take Jesus at his word, we absolutely should. But sometimes we get bound to the literal aspect of things, too. And I want, Lord, would you continue to speak your truth through the truth that you spoke in those years ago? Because he even called out people when they were saying, well, it's OK for me to divorce my wife because Moses wrote this down. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and <laughs> Jesus got so ticked. He's like, Moses wrote that down. Because all y'all didn't want to stay with your spouse. Mm. You wanted a reason to go because you saw Betty Jo over there mm -hmm. who was super cute and you wanted to be with her. You were done with your woman. And when he called him out on that, but, but they were looking at something in scripture and they were taking that and saying, well, look at Jesus. This is what scripture says. And everybody was receiving this in the community. Everybody was receiving that in the culture as, well, if Moses wrote it down. Right. Sure. And Jesus was like, the heart of the matter is what I'm trying to get to. So we can hang ourselves up on so many literal applications. What is the heart that Jesus was trying to get to us over and over and over again? While we were still sinners, he died for us. Have we all made perfect choices after receiving Jesus Christ into our lives? No. Mm -hmm. I, you know, gosh, one of your biggest fears maybe did I grieve the Holy Spirit? Because that's what Scripture has said, Jesus said, there is one unforgivable sin if you grieve the Holy Spirit, which I believe is full rejection sure. yeah. of God. Um, I, I never want, I don't want to, of course, I, I don't think I will ever grieve because my heart is in that place of, I never want to do that. And he's always checking in your heart. Where's Rochelle authentically? Mm. She may speak something. Where's her heart today? That's what he's looking at, right? But I, even if I don't get him to the place of grieving, I don't want a tear to fall from his eye because I here she is again mm. mm -hmm. in the same mess, right? 
but he continues to love me through it. This morning, even on driving to work, I am bawling. It's been a stressful week, bawling, frustrated at myself that here I am again, Lord. I have allowed my faith to wane and I'm stretched so thin and my trust is lacking. And that verse that you had shared last week on our radio show that had blessed that young man in his commitment with his wife and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to stay with her. That verse, which applied to his story, applied to mine, and that I'm hearing the words now from my heavenly father speaking to me. My mercies are strong still for you, even though your faith is waning. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I needed to hear that. So there is grace for when we make mistakes. There was grace for his kids when Jacob's marrying Rachel and Leah and Zilpah, the servant girl, and Bilhah, the servant girl. Don't ask me why their names rhymed. It's like Dr. Seuss land when you're reading <laughs> Old Testament sometimes. And Betty Jo. And Betty Jo was so there too. Th- this, I hope this encourages you as much as it did me. This is really even aside from marriage, but still that that humble attitude is what we're kind of referencing in marriage and overall. Mm-hmm. And I love this story, this parable from Jesus in Luke 18. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Mm-hmm. Now, the Pharisee was the religious, you know, know-it-all great guy, uh, <laughs> according to Some culture. Some of them were great guys, by well, the way. Yeah, well, they yeah. get a bad rap. Whenever you say Pharisee, everybody hisses. Like if you're at the, the opposite team's arena, uh-huh, and you're like, I'm uh-huh. a fan of the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Sadducees. <sighs> Some of them were good guys. Okay. okay. And then the tax collector was all, they were in culture, never good guys. Well, they were, uh, you're coming against your own kind here. You're stealing money. From your people. Yeah. And working with the Romans that were. Exactly. The government was giving them the job. So uh, the the difference is there. One was a Pharisee. The other was a a despised tax collector. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast <laughs> twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And he probably was. He was probably doing those, those literal things. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Mm. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yes. Now, there's a lot I would want to ask Jesus about. Did the tax collector go on sinning? Did he? There's a lot of questions there, but it's clearly, you know, he uses the word justified. It's clearly about the heart, Uh and it's not about what we do. So if our marriage doesn't look perfect, because it's not, and yet my heart is to serve as much as possible. That's where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps right now you're thinking, but I don't know if she's in it anymore Mm. or I don't know if he's in it anymore. I haven't felt the heart beat of my husband or wife lately in our Mm. marriage. Yeah. And uh, I have this great story. I've referenced it before. If you've heard it before, I think you'll be fine hearing it again. But a dear friend of mine, her husband was cheating. And she shared this with me later. That before he came to a place of redemption in Christ, he's already a believer. He just wasn't walking out the faith in those moments with this woman who he brought into their marriage bed, literally Mm. brought her. 
And here she is still sleeping on the same mattress that this took place on. And because of the nature of sin, it's like I liken it to that spot on a banana. You know, one little dark spot. And guess what? The entire thing gets rotten pretty quick. It ripens up real fast. Sin can take over like that. And suddenly what was once a yellow banana (laughs) is completely changed. Is his appearance, right? Uh, Rather on the inside. And he was so encompassed with the darkness that had overwhelmed his life because of his sin. He's acting ugly towards her. She didn't sin. She didn't, well, she didn't cheat. I do believe that um, if marriage gets broken in a place where somebody uh, might uh, leave the bedroom, it doesn't mean I'm blaming anybody, but there, there can be in some cases. There's, it takes two to tango sometimes for a marriage to get to that point. Then there can be a person who's just broken and they're, they're going elsewhere because... Sure. Maybe yeah. they have a, a lust issue or something like that. So please hear me, hear my heart when it, I speak it, that. It can be true and it can not be true. It can yeah. be true and not true. But in this instance, I believe he was just dealing with some lust in his own life. And she's just trying to figure it out. And she she comes to a place of, I'm willing to give it a try, but she's still feeling crusty, you know, because mm-hmm. I would too. Who wouldn't? Yeah. And he's not giving her anything. No heart indication, nothing. Mm. He's just angry and bitter and why am i having to put up with his attitude when he's the philanderer you know that's how she's feeling Mm. as any of us would yeah and then god says look out the window to this precious friend of mine and she sees her husband he's out in the backyard for some reason and all of a sudden she sees him as a child and in that moment she's like oh my gosh i am seeing my husband as if i am seeing him through god's eyes and he's a lost little boy, would you give him grace? Can you give him forgiveness? Can you hang on to the promises that you have in me and hang in there mm. with him? And theirs is a incredible story that they have shared openly to I don't know how many audiences of how many hundreds. It's just, it's an incredible thing that God has done in terms of healing. And it wasn't overnight. Yeah. It was yeah. a process, and still, even when she divulged this information with me, they were still in the healing process. So I don't want to say, hey, put some salve on it. You'll be good in the morning. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time, but it can happen. Why? Nothing on our part except the willingness to step into obedience yeah. and say, God, you have the power to heal. That's really good. Well, we're excited about this series of uh, of love. Uh, so talked a lot about marriage today. We'll talk about singleness next week and we'll get to dating, getting to love, loving our neighbor in general. And I think this would just be um, uh, apropos okay. uh, of uh, this, this old country song that I remember from a few years ago. And man, ain't it true about marriage. Let's see if I'm at the right part here. Sometimes I don't know why you stay with me. I'm hard to love, hard to love. No, no. And while you may be thinking of your spouse, it's also true of you (laughs) and of me. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We'll see you next week.